Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Sisters in Crime. I am your co-host, Kate, joined by Sarah. Hi. And this week, I will be talking about a case that many of you may have heard of. It's the case of Lauren Spearer, who was a sophomore at the University of Indiana when she disappeared from campus after going out with her friends the night before. Lauren grew up in the NYC suburb of Scarsdale. Very high energy, very caring, was described as having a zest for life and was all around a sweet and lovable girl. She was studying fashion merchandising at IU in Bloomington, Indiana. She was also described as being very selfless and would do anything for anyone. She was very active in the Jewish community on campus and actually spent one of her spring breaks in Israel planting trees. On June 3rd, 2011, her parents were notified that their daughter, Lauren, was missing. It was one of the most prolific missing persons of all time. Ryan Seacrest and the Kardashians asked for help in searching for Lauren. So authorities started going through Lauren's day on the night before she went missing, although it was pretty messy as everyone was drinking, so it's hard to piece together. IU was a Big Ten school, and coming from one of those schools myself, I understand the energy and the atmosphere the school has. But like many of those schools, IU had its dark side. Alcohol, drugs, partying, etc. And unfortunately, this plays a big role into this case. The day before Lauren went missing, she had been hanging out with friends. She had a longtime boyfriend since high school named Jesse. Lauren wanted to go out with some friends that night, but Jesse stayed in to watch the NBA Finals that day. It was reported by Jesse's roommate that after the finals were over, Jesse went to bed. This would have been around midnight most likely, but I also found Inside Edition reported that his roommates last saw him at 2.30 a.m. inside when they all went to bed. So at around 12.30 a.m., Lauren reportedly left her place accompanied by her friend David Ron and headed to a pregame party. Lauren was seen on surveillance in her apartment complex, leaving for the night, looking normal. She has her purse on, everything together. In this photo, this is actually the only photo that police have released of her from that night. But she is very petite, with striking blue eyes and blonde hair. She's just under five feet tall, and she was wearing a white top and black pants. It looks like she had on black leggings. And we'll post that picture on our Instagram. Yes. The party they were heading to was at the apartment of her longtime friend, Jason, who goes by Jay Rosenbaum. It is reported that Lauren and Jay went to high school together, so they grew up in the same area and had known each other for quite some time. There, Lauren also met up with Jay's neighbors, Corey Rossman and Michael Beth. Lauren did not know Corey and Michael as well as she was just meeting them. These four men would prove key to the events that followed. The group continued drinking at Jay's pregame for some time. And at some point, Lauren and Corey then walked to Corey's apartment where they met up with Mike Beth, which was Corey's roommate. Again, Lauren was clearly drunk already, but Corey invited her to go t- with him to Kilroy Sports Bar. And this bar was one of the most popular bars on campus. However, I do want to note that this is summertime on a college campus, so the school and the bars are not going to be as busy as they normally would during the regular school year, as well as that also meaning that there's not going to be a lot of as many students on campus. So this is, I know some people kind of get caught up into like why Lauren was hanging out with a bunch of boys if she seemingly had a boyfriend, but 
being a college student recently, there's not as many people to hang out with in the summer. And it seemed like she really knew at least Jay and felt comfortable with Corey and Mike to be hanging out with them. At 1.46 a.m., Lauren and Corey had walked to Kilroy's, and it would later be discovered that Lauren did get in using a false ID, and this is a fact that the bar was cited for later on. While she was there, she took off her shoes to walk on the sand-covered patio at the bar. Since it was summertime and the bar is notorious for always having things like that set up, making it very popular, especially in summertime since this was June. So she was now barefoot. Although she was clearly intoxicated, Corey and her bought several more drinks while there. At around 2.30 a.m., Lauren and Corey left Kilroy's together and headed back towards her home at the Smallwood Plaza apartment complex, not far from the bar. Lauren left behind both her shoes, as she was still barefoot, and her cell phone at the bar. And this really just proves that it just goes to show how intoxicated that she really was to have forgotten her shoes and her phone. So on the walk back, it is reported that she fell really hard and hit her head so hard that someone passing by actually asked if she was all right because they heard like how loud it was. Corey and Lauren told this person that they were fine and headed up on to the fifth floor of the apartment building. And at this point, Lauren and Corey ran into some men on the fifth floor near the elevator. The men were asking if they were okay, and something happened. It got heated. The groups were arguing. Corey ended up getting punched in the face. And it's not clear, but it was allegedly Zach Oaks who punched him in the face, who was a fellow IU student. It's reported that Zach knew Lauren. and Maybe he was telling her or telling Corey to, you know, take her home because clearly she was not in great shape. But isn't that what she was doing? They were in her apartment building. Yes. Yeah. So she's, she is close, but that's just some of the things that I found when I was researching. Yes. She's close to going home, but for some reason at this point, they did not go into her apartment. Instead, they headed off to Corey's place. How far away do they live from each other again? This, I'm actually not clear, but it it couldn't have been far. They all lived in similar areas. So I'm confused. He walked her up to her apartment, and then they decided to leave and go back to his place? He got punched, yes. And I'm only, I'm assuming that, you know, he got hurt. Corey got hurt, so that's why they were going back to his place to get him back to his apartment. That that, doesn't make any sense to me, but okay. (laughs) Again, both Corey and Lauren were very intoxicated, so getting details like very solidified from Corey is is hard. And later on, we will find out that he claims that he doesn't remember anything because that punch apparently gave him a concussion. A concussion. Okay. So anyways, at around this, this would be like around 2.48, Lauren and Corey appeared on a security camera heading into an alley behind her apartment complex. The alley led to Morton Street, which ran north to the area where Corey, Michael, and Jay lived. They exited the alley at around 2.51 a.m. Apparently, she dropped her keys and purse along the way because they were found between 2.30 a.m. and 3 a.m. by another student. Corey and Lauren then walked north until they arrived at Corey's apartment. 
While in the alleyway, it's caught on camera that Corey picked up Lauren and like tossed her over his shoulder. So this to me almost seems like he wasn't as intoxicated as at least not as intoxicated as her. If he, you know, picked her right. up through over right. her shoulder. And after they entered Corey's apartment complex, Corey's roommate, Michael Beth, had come and helped Corey to bed. Mike would report that Corey was extremely inebriated himself, and he actually threw up once he got home. And this is where I was saying he, he reported that he does not remember anything after he went to bed. After Corey went to bed, Mike says that he attempted to get Lauren to spend the night at their apartment since it was clear that she wasn't any better off than Corey. Lauren refused as she wanted to go home um, and or keep partying. Eventually, Mike called Jay's around 3.30 a.m. asking him to take care of Lauren. Mike and Lauren headed to Jay's apartment where Mike left Lauren. When she got there, Wait, Jay noticed... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm confused. Michael called Jay's? Michael called Jay. Remember her longtime friend? Yeah, I just... So they, they all live together, right? No. So Corey and Michael live together. Jay lives in the same complex, to my understanding, but like a couple doors down. Okay. So Mike, Mike leaves Lauren at Jay's. When she got there, Jay noticed that she had an injury under her eye. Some sources say wound, others say a bruise, but Lauren couldn't recall how she received the injury, but we can assume that it was from the walk home with Corey where, where she hit her head. And apparently Lauren made two phone calls on Jay's phone, uh, one to David, her friend from earlier, and he didn't answer, and then one to another friend, but I couldn't find out who that was. Jay tried to get her to stay and just go to bed, but again, Lauren wanted to keep the party going. And according to Jay, Lauren left his apartment at 4.30 a.m. alone and headed back to her place. Now, I'm not sure why he did not accompany her home or give her shoes to wear or anything, but he is reportedly the last one to ever see her. So Lauren was, was seen at the intersection of West 11th Avenue and North College Avenue as she walked home. It is reported that he just watched her through his window, like he didn't go out and walk her home or anything. He saw her through his window. And the next morning, her boyfriend, Jesse, hadn't heard from her. His text to her phone only got a response from an employee of Kilroy's, because remember, she left her phone at the bar the night before with her shoes. So he's trying to get a hold of her, but the employee at the bar ended up texting back. So that's a little odd. He went over to um, her apartment to see, you know, if she just had a rough night, but no dice there either. So he quickly called the police and reported her missing. Her friends notified Lauren's sister and her sister informed her parents. And that's when Lauren's parents arrived from New York to Bloomington on June 4th to help with the investigation. They started calling hospitals, shelters, like anywhere that they could think of just to see if she had been checked in, you know, or been hurt. They looked everywhere for her. The Bloomington Police Department, Indiana University Police Department, and the FBI joined forces in a nationwide search that saw investigators descend on the remote woods of Indiana. They searched abandoned quarries, different bars of water. The community was helping as well, IU students in these search efforts, and eventually they even looked in a landfill, which was one of the hardest days for Lauren's parents. 
Her parents obviously had a lot of questions for the friends that she was with that night, but all four boys, Jesse, her boyfriend, Corey, Jay, and Michael, lawyered up almost immediately, which was somewhat of a red flag, but these boys were from well-off families, and in their defense, they became persons of interest fairly quickly, so they needed to be protected, and their families understood how important that is. So this is something that can kind of be explained both ways. You know, it is kind of a red flag that that was like one of the first things that they did. But if it were me, I would probably get a lawyer quickly as well. Yeah, I think I would too. So Jay's lawyer said that he has given statements to the police and has consented to searches as well as participating in a polygraph test. He even said that he had a face-to-face with Lauren's parents as well as has Jesse, her boyfriend. However, Corey hasn't been as forthcoming when it comes to statements and having a face-to-face with Lauren's family and is the only friend, according to ABC, that hasn't been cooperating as much. I have found it reported that Corey and Mike both submitted DNA to authorities, but I couldn't find anything about them submitting to polygraph. Which, as we know, that doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. I. Yeah. So the family would like to hear more from the boys, but since they lawyered up basically from the get, it's hard to navigate through them. On June 9th, Lauren's family put up $100,000 in rewards for any useful tips on where Lauren was. Tips did come flooding in. By June 10th, police announced that they had 10 persons of interest. 10 people. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Authorities even had checkpoints around campus, stopping cars, trying to get any info that they could. Outside of the boys, police have to consider all possible situations. Maybe she ran into someone once she left Jay's house. On June 15th, police released an image of a white truck that was spotted around the street Lauren went missing from around the same time she was last spotted. This was one of the only other images released from police outside of the image of Lauren leaving her apartment. They got a lot of tips about this truck, but one was a woman that called in about her ex who owned a truck similar. The woman said her ex told her he was involved with Lauren's disappearance, and if she said anything, she would be next. But when police investigate, this guy actually did live near Bloomington, but eventually ruled him out as well as the white truck altogether, saying it had nothing to do with Lauren's disappearance. How so? Do we know why? Or just because, like, was it not his white truck? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't his white truck. They interviewed him. He was like an ex-con, but they they ruled him out. He didn't have anything to do with it. Okay. It seemed like it okay. was just false allegations. By late June, the searches fizzled out, and authorities had talked with the boys she was with and their lawyers and basically ruled them out. Three months after Lauren went missing, her parents hired Mike Saravolo, a private investigator and chief of investigations at the New York-based firm Bodito and Associates. He said, quote, I've never seen a case where there's no suspect, no body, no DNA, no arrest, no autopsy, no court documents, nothing. The family believes that the boys are not being as cooperative as they could be since they refuse to speak with Lauren's parents directly and refuse to take the polygraph. They also believe that the police are not cooperating with them either, and that they have more info than they have told them. They believe the police have more surveillance footage, more leads, more something. Lauren did have a heart condition called Long QT Syndrome, 
Long QT syndrome is an abnormal feature of the heart's electrical system that can lead to a potentially life-threatening arrhythmia. This arrhythmia can result in fainting or sudden cardiac death. This could also be triggered by drugs, so it is really dangerous when experimenting with them. And I only point this out because some sources say that she had been using drugs that night, as many college students do. Police did find a small amount of cocaine in her bedroom after she disappeared, and there are allegations she used other drugs that night she went missing as well. So another speculation or theory is that something happened to her as she was using drugs. Maybe she fell and hit her head or overdosed. And some people believe that, you know, if she overdosed, maybe the boys did something with her body. The things that people suspect about the boys is not that they murdered her at all. It would just be that it was an accident and they knew where her body was. Well, you say she fell and hit her head. She did. So hard yeah. that somebody asked if she was okay, like a stranger. I have my yeah. own theory, but I'm I'm going to wait until the end of this. Okay. So it just raises the questions, are her friends making this up to cover something up? Or was this an accident? Who was she with if it was? Or was this some sort of crime of opportunity after she left Jay's? However, I did find it reported that a homeless man heard a woman screaming around 4.35 a.m. near where Lauren went missing. This man was a well-known local named Franklin Crawford. A few days later, he was found dead in a trash can as if someone threw him in there. And this is a minor detail, but I think it's just really interesting that he was found a few days later. Is there any surveillance where we can see him on it? If something no. happened to him? Okay. Yeah, no. Another theory is obviously a stranger abduction. While IU was a relatively safe campus, on the outskirts was a different story. It was known to have some more unsafe areas with people that could potentially pose a threat. So this could be a possibility that someone happened to be driving in the area and it was a crime of opportunity. There was also a notorious motorcycle gang called the Sons of Silence. A documentary about them on the History Channel described them as so brutal as to be a new kind of mafia. Tips came in about a former member of the group, Robert Strange, who goes by the name of Bo Dean. Strange doesn't have a criminal record, but he is well known to the authorities. They describe him as very cruel. And the private investigator that Lauren's parents hired said that he had obtained an online message in which one of Strange's relatives claimed that Strange shot Lauren in a dispute over drugs and money and then buried her on his property. The message said, quote, it's very good fertilizer. And actually, ABC went to talk to him. Strange knew that ABC News was coming, but he said he didn't want to be on camera. So he basically was refusing to talk to him, to them. But he did say that he didn't shoot her from the doorway of his home as his hand held up to block his face. Quote, I had nothing to do with it. I don't even know the broad. I told you that. There ain't nobody here, and I ain't never seen the broad never been around her, end quote, was what he told ABC. So that lead didn't really go anywhere. Another avenue that was looked at was when another missing girl vanished from IU a few years later. In April 2015, Hannah Wilson, a student that attended IU, went missing, who had also visited Kilroy's sports bar the night she vanished. However, Hannah's killer, Daniel Messer, was eventually located, and it is no longer known whether police still consider the two cases related, but there are no substantial leads linking the cases. 
Wilson had only been reported missing for one day when her body was found in a desolate field. She had been bludgeoned to death, and Messel's cell phone was discovered at her feet. Messel has never been charged in connection with Spears' case. In 2016, a man named Corey Hammersley was interviewed by a private investigator regarding Lauren's disappearance. Hammersley was in prison at the time on unrelated charges, but was questioned in response to a tip Lauren's parents claimed had come to them. According to this tip, Hammersley reportedly told his neighboring inmate that he knew Lauren had overdosed on ecstasy while in the presence of three men. The men became frightened and dumped her body. During the interview, Hamsley denied the conversation ever took place, though, and claimed he had no involvement at all with Lauren's disappearance. Lauren's parents eventually filed lawsuits against Corey, Mike, and Jay Rosenbaum, accusing them of providing Lauren with alcohol after she was dangerously intoxicated. And according to the lawsuit, these actions triggered a duty of care, which they failed to uphold. The lawsuit against all three were eventually dismissed by the judge because they were afraid it would set a precedent in law that could have harmful repercussions. The judge said that this may ward off future Good Samaritans. It's putting the blame on someone who was with the person who died or got hurt, even if they were trying to help. It would blur the lines as to when they are no longer responsible for that person. Would they be responsible the rest of the day, into the night, or where does it end? There is one other theory, Israel Keys. Israel Keys may be a name familiar to most of you, but for those that don't know, he was a serial killer and was proven to be an Indian of the day she went missing. However, Israel was very methodical in his killings. He would plan them out months and months ahead of time, and at that time Lauren went missing, he was traveling from Alaska back to the East Coast, coming from the killing of one of his very last victims. So I'm not really sure that this is likely. This would be something a little out of character for him and would have been a crime of opportunity where everything lined up exactly right. All right, I... I Oh, we always got to throw his real keys in there, but okay. He didn't do it. Um, yeah. I think yes. the, and I think the homeless man could have been a coincidence. Yeah. I think that definitely was a coincidence. Uh, either way, it has been over 10 years since Lauren went missing and whether or not the boy she was with no more than they have led on or some other monster was responsible. Someone did take Lauren from her family and for 10 birthdays, 10 new years, 10 Christmases, We have not had any answers as to what happened. There's been no suspects, no trial, no nothing. If you know anything at all about what happened to Lauren Spear, please reach out to Bloomington Police Department at policetips at bloomington.in.gov or call 812-339-4477. You can also contact the Indiana University Police at 812-855-4111. Or if you would like to send in a tip anonymously, please send them to P.O. Box 1226, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. Or you could also reach out to Crime Stoppers at 317-262-8477. And we'll put all of this in the show notes. Yes. We'll have pictures up on our Instagram all right everyone we will see you back next week and uh we got a surprise for you next week yeah 
We're being those people because we said that last week, but it really won't be next week. No, I said the next couple weeks, didn't I? I said, well, coming soon. It wasn't going to be this week, per se. You should know us by now. Come on. Yeah. We gotta. We have a surprise for you next week, and I'm really, really excited. I've already had a couple yeah. people reach out to me asking what the surprise is, and I'm like, no. You gotta wait. <laughs> gotta wait. Yeah. For so, us to know you to find out. Yeah. So, and you will find out next week. We will see you all back here. Same day, same time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>